Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 17, the Gospel of John uh, chapter 17. moment we're going to read all of that chapter from John chapter 17, but also we're going to read a few verses from Romans, uh, the 8th chapter, Romans chapter 8. So once you found John chapter 17, uh, you can also find Romans chapter 8, and just at the end of the chapter we're going to read from Romans chapter 8, from verses from verse 31 to the end of the chapter. So, John chapter 17. This evening, um, our topic comes from question 55 of the Westminster Large Catechism. In that, it talks about how Christ intercedes for us, or put it in another way, how we have access to the Father. And I thought it would be a good idea to look at prayer. It's, it's, it's something we take for granted, that we have such access today to God. And it's something that we don't have to travel to Jerusalem. We don't have to do priestly rites. We don't have to do all these things. But wherever we are, we can call upon the name of God. That's an incredible, incredible Things. So it's why this evening I'm going to be looking at the topic of why we must pray. Not that we can pray or not that we should pray. We must. We must. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I wonder if you've ever bumped into a famous person. Um, you know, you, you're, you see somebody in an airport and you go, oh, I, know, I know who so and so is. Um, perhaps it's somebody you listen to their music. Perhaps uh, you maybe read their book, you've seen them on television. Um, what do you do? Do you go up and say, hey, can I, can I get an autograph? Can I, get, can I get a picture with you or something like that? I remember an incident years ago, this was before I was a Christian, but um, me and a couple of buddies we went to a concert in Cardiff. And we were on our way back from Cardiff Airport and we were walking around the duty-free section and the, the lead singer from the band was actually about very, very close to us. She was... You know, we're like, oh, do you see her? Do you see? It's him. It's Rob from so and so, such a group. And I was like, I'm always one of those people. I hate bothering people. It's probably the way I was raised. But my friends were always like, just go talk to him. Me and two other guys who went up talking to him. And I always felt like, you always felt like you're bothering him. He's tired. He's been touring all over the world along with his band and everything else like that. And I think, how many people have probably done this to him as he's been passing through Cardiff Airport? He's probably tired, and he's like, oh, yet another fan. Sometimes when we approach God, we start almost to think like that he is going to be frustrated with us, don't we? We sometimes almost think about him like he's a person, like he's going to get frustrated with us, like the, that he can get exhausted with us and our problems. But God is not like us. He cannot be exhausted. His love and his patience is inexhaustible. He never tires of hearing the prayers of his people. Now I say his people. He never 
unlike the, the person I was talking to in Cardiff, he never needs sleep and he never needs rest. We must see from the scriptures why we must pray. And if we don't see why we must pray, or it's vital to pray, we won't. We won't. Um, Prayer is not just for the bad times. It depends on our personality. Some of us pray in the bad times. Some of us pray better in the good times. We need to pray all the time. No matter the situation. And it's not just... You could, like, as we're going to look at it in a second with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was not a sinner. And yet he prays. We don't just pray because we're sinners. We pray to him because we love him. We're not just coming to him just to, yes, we should admit our faults and everything else, but we come to him because of who he is. And as we see through this, Lord willing, we'll see through this, we must pray. Because it is a joyful privilege that we have in Christ. So, let us read now God's holy and infallible word. First of all, reading from John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. That your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now O father. Glorify me together with yourself and with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them, I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world." And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanct for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as your you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, and you and me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father. The world has not known you. But I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And will declare it. That the love which you loved me. May be in them. And I in them. May God bless his holy word. And I'll also turn now to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Just reading the end of Romans chapter 8. Verses 31 to 39. Verses 31 to 39. Paul writes to Romans. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written. For your sakes, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible (coughs) word. Prayer, if we're being honest, can become a chore at times. Um, Prayer can often be difficult. There are moments in our prayer life when we almost wonder in ourselves, can anyone hear me? There's times when we do feel like we're talking to ourselves, isn't there? But when that happens, and it happens to us all, we can often forget why we must pray. God has spoken in his word. We have his completed infallible word. And how do we respond? Yes, we respond by faith. 
but we respond to him by calling upon his name. For whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a response of pleading, save me, O God. It's really a prayer if you think about it. He changes our hearts to cry out in prayer, Abba, Father, in our hearts. To depend on him, to see him, that he is the life giver. So, prayer, really, is as essential to the Christian's uh, spiritual life as breathing is, really, to a physical body. It's a response of faith. Seeing our need. The more we pray, the more we see our need of God. The degree to which we pray to God, the degree to which we see our that we are a creature and he's infinite, we're finite, small, tiny creatures in complete need of him shows our level of spiritual maturity. Again, it's not just that we're sinners. Yes, we're sinners and we need God's wisdom, but it's more than that. Even Jesus prayed and he was not a sinner. We need to pray, all of us. How can we develop our prayers? Well, this evening, we're going to look at the most intimate prayer you could have between two members of the Trinity, God the Father and God the Son. How much closer could you get than these two who are really one? Christ intercedes on our behalf, and we can see some of the prayers he's giving in John chapter 17. Who better to pray for us than Christ? You know, sometimes we ask for prayers from people. Usually people, you, you know they're a prayer. and you, they, they, they pray every day and you, you want them to pray for you. Who better to pray for us than Christ himself? So our first point that we're going to look at, we're going to look at three points on this topic of why we must pray. Why we must pray. Number one, God's glory. God's glory. Our prayers and the reason why we pray must not be self-seeking. It must not be self-serving. When we pray, we must do so in the same way Jesus prayed. That God would be glorified. Verse 1 of our text, John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. He knew he was about to die. He knew he was about to, uh, to, be, to be killed on the cross. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. It's all to do, he begins with the glory of God. It's all to do with the love of upholding the standard of God's perfection and how he is seen in the world. And what Christ has to do is inc- it's incredibly difficult. It's so difficult, he, he sweats drops of blood thinking about what he's going to endure. But the most important thing for him as he prays is that eternal purpose of God. So what what can we learn from this? We must ourselves exalt God in our prayers. We must not just talk to God like he's just a buddy. Uh, We forget 
that he's not a creature. He's not like us. Now, in one sense, that's wonderful because he's not like us because he's everywhere. No mere creature can be everywhere. We must see him for who he is. He's not like us made of the dust. He is to be exalted in our words, in our thoughts, and in our affections, praying that we would see his name glorified. And friends, this is the type of prayer that God answers. Prayer that seeks God's glory. Why? Because can God deny himself? Can God deny his glory? Not at all. He cannot deny himself. And this is the type of prayer that he will answer. Why would he not wish to bless such a prayer? Because today, dear friends, much of prayer can become so man-centered. And for want of a better term, like a shopping list. Uh, Or maybe we're just thinking about all our needs. And I'm not saying we ignore those things. But we begin with the most important things. And then, oh, if it is your will, oh God, be glorified in the midst of answering these prayers. Verses 2 onwards, it says this, verses down 2 to 5, John chapter 17. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom they have sent. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory with which I had with you before the world was. And the, well, the glory of the Son is really the glory of the Father. His glory, his essence, his being is not divided. He is one. God is one. And to and in an exalting Christ, God is exalted. And even as he's praying for the people whom the Father has given to him, the Son, it's all about God's glory. Even when we go out to share the gospel, the primary motive isn't even to see people saved. I know I might hear shocks, I might hear gasping of breath. That's not the first motive. We want to see people saved, of course. But we first want to see God glorified. And Lord willing, through God being glorified, souls saved. Souls brought to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus glorified God on the earth. And how did he glorify God on the earth? Or is God his father obeying? He obeyed the father. His entire life he served he lived for us, but he, he lived for the glory of God. All to exalt the love of the Father, sending his Son. Now, again, it is not wrong to pray for our needs. We should pray for our needs. But never forgetting, always in the context in which we're asking these things, the primary motive in prayer is really about worshipping him. The primary motive in prayer is to tell God how much he means to us, how wonderful he is to us. It's a a loving relationship. If in any relationship, one person in the relationship just gives you a big long list, 
thinks, okay, I want that done, I want that done, and there's a big list of think, 10 things, and you never hear any words of encouragement, never hear any words of love. Now, God is not needy. He doesn't need anything from us. But you understand what I'm saying here. Our prayers can become that at times. Look at what Jesus said in the model prayer. How are we to pray? Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. In this manner, therefore pray. And Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He starts off with that. Exalting God, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Verse 10, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus instructs his disciples to pray. And what is the prayer? It starts off with this. The will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. What happens in heaven? Well, what are the angels doing before the throne of God? They're worshipping. They're in awe of God. Is there any rebellion? Well, that happened once, but it didn't last for long. And that enemy was cast down, defeated. So the will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is Satan to be really placed under the feet of Christ. We're really, we're really praying that God will be glorified, seen openly victorious over his enemies. How is that done? So the most powerful weapon is given the church. The word of the Lord. The gospel. We pray for his will to be followed. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Where is that? Everywhere. Everywhere. As we pray, we seek and want God's will to be done in our homes. Our lives. Our schools. Our churches. Everywhere. Now, we don't make all the decisions. We don't get to make all of the choices, etc. But as much as God has placed authority in your hands... Obey him. Everywhere. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A prayer that has no interest in the will of God completely misses the point of prayer. I remember I was a somewhat religious Roman Catholic child growing up. I, I was an altar server. Um, and, I, and I prayed every morning and every evening. Now, they were very self-serving prayers. God bless mommy, God bless daddy, and it was, I thought it was great because I was doing this. Oh, my brothers and sisters, they don't go to mass anymore. And I was fairly self-righteous for a number of years. I thought just to jumping through a number of external religious hoops, I would be okay. And I started to get worried. If I didn't go to, to mass for a few weeks, I was like, hmm, I feel kind of guilty. And then you go, start going back again, you feel, start to feel better. Now, There is no gospel in the Roman Catholic Church anymore, sadly. However, we must not think that the same thinking cannot come into our own minds as Protestants. We think we're holy just because we go into the building. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves. It's coming to God, seeing through Christ how wonderful he is. And when your heart's changed... You want to see his glory exalted. Because you, you know, before you didn't, you didn't see what all the fuss was about. Now as a, a saved Christian, you're like, he's amazing. I'm going to tell other people about him. 
Why don't other people want to come to church? And you start to think of them as strange. And in prayer, in the most intimate way, you're calling upon God. I was listening to, I think it was Sinclair Ferguson talking about uh, the midweek prayer meeting and one of the most intimate places of the church is the prayer meeting because it's one of the most intimate places in the church. Why? Because it's too extremely close. Just the closeness of that relationship. And, and if an unbeliever came in, no doubt they'd feel extremely uncomfortable. Why? It's like eavesdropping, isn't it? You know, you eavesdrop in a very private conversation. That's what prayer is. It's a wonderful, wonderful, intimate, close relationship. But in that relationship, we're seeking God's will. We're seeking to have him exalted. In verse 6 of John 17, it says this. Speaking about the glory of God. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. I have manifested your name to make his name known. And the thing is, what kind of things do we pray for? Do we pray for opportunities to make his name known? That's a type of prayer that the Lord gladly answers. We need to share him. Why would he not answer such prayers? And yes, we come to him with our wants, our worries, and our afflictions, our difficulties, the things. Be honest with God. God knows our thoughts. But there's something bigger at play than us when we come to God. It's the glory of God. So the glory of God, that's number one. Number two now, now we're going to have three points, and these two, next two points are a little shorter. God's grace. God's grace. So God's glory, now God's grace. Now, why should we pray? No, no. Why can we pray at all? Why will he let us into his presence? Now, imagine you, you want to go to the coronation, you really want to, you want to be front and center, get a good seat. Well, you'd probably have to be you know, one of the family or something like that. You want to have to be somebody extremely close. Well, guess what? We have access to a far more important, far more powerful king, who is the king of kings. And why do we have this great privilege at all? Verses 9 and 10 of John 17. I pray for them. Who is them? I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus prays for a specific group of people given to him by his Father before the foundation of the world. A very specific group of people. If you are here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, do you know that he prayed for you at that moment personally? He says this very, very clear. I do not pray for the world. Had he done that, everybody would have come to know him. He prayed for you. And we got what we do not deserve, that is mercy and that is grace. And not just salvation. Salvation is wonderful. But we have access today to God the Father. What we were looking at it this morning in 1 John 4.19. 
We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. If we love him, if that's our response and we have a desire of love, praise God, he first loved you. That's the evidence that you're born again, that you love him. We loved him because he first loved us. If you don't love him, well, that's something different. It's by grace that we can come to him at all. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. It's go- salvation is God's gift, it's not of works. But in that salvation, we have also access to the Father today. Now we're going to enjoy greater blessings in the future. When we die, when we leave this earth. Far greater than we could ever imagine. And if by grace, Romans eleven six, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Basically saying, well, it's like oil and water. You can't mix them together. You might shake them up in in the bottle and they'll, they'll separate again. Grace and works, they don't mix. It's either of grace or it's of works. It can't be of both. And we have access to God and we must pray because it has been the work of God giving it to us as a gift. Our gift is to be able to communicate with God. He gives it to us, something he has done, he has suffered in our place. Verses 12 and 13. Verses 12 and 13. Jesus prays, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He's lost none. Any chosen before the foundation of the world, any intending to save, he has lost none. That's because of Christ. And when we think of, yes, he has saved us, yes, it means we will not go to hell, yes, it means we will not suffer for all eternity for our crimes, but it means more than that. Today, the blessings of being a Christian don't kick in after you start stop breathing. They start the moment you believe. The moment the Lord regenerates your heart, you see how wonderful He is, and you respond in thanksgiving to exalt Him, to plead for deliverance from your hand of your enemies. Those who seek to do you harm. We, saw this, we see this in the book of Psalms. We pray that they too will come to know the Lord. And we show love toward our enemies. But we do have enemies. Realizing that no matter how bad things get. We'll never be separated from the love of Christ. One of the reasons I read this. From the end of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And it's, I think it's important to realize that. What Christ has purchased, none can take away from us. Verse 31 in Romans chapter 8. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? So no matter what we're facing, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how challenging it is, I don't care what it is, if God is for you, who can be against you? It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, but you don't know my situation. I don't. I know that. But if God is for us, who can be against us? I can't do this. I know you can't do Whatever you're struggling through in your life, you can't do it. And that's one of the best first steps to start with. But he can. He can, he can bless you and bring joy in parts of your life you never knew that there could be such joy. Joy in your family. Joy in, in, in the church. Joy in the community. Can you imagine more and more people coming to know the Lord? Growing in holiness, what it would do for the area. Rathra Island needs God and needs an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Northern Ireland needs an outpouring of the Spirit of God. The entire island needs an outpouring of the Spirit of God so that when people look to God, they can say, If God is for us, who can be against us? Because their confidence, their joy is in God alone. It's by grace. By grace alone we have access to the Father. Verse 33 of this text in Romans 8. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? God isn't going to turn us away. God isn't going to see a blemish on your record if you're in Jesus Christ. He's going to see perfect law keeping. And no more. Penalty for sin. No charges before the throne room of grace. We must, in this loving relationship, communicate with God. Every relationship, if it's going to survive, has communication. And not just communication, loving communication. If you're married... It's important that you communicate your love and appreciation for your spouse, for your wife, for your husband. And in prayer, the church, the bride of Christ, she is expressing her love for her husband. Here's the thing. We don't have to worry about the husband showing love for the bride. It's a given. He, he constantly showers us with blessings, with tokens of his affection. We'll even see it in the next Lord's Day. The Lord's Supper, the the bread and the cup, tokens of his affection and his love for us today. Will we not cry out to him and thank him and express to him what he means to us? And finally, number three, God's goodness. God's goodness. We must pray, not because of what he gives us, but because of who he is. Do you see the difference? I think sometimes we can present the gospel as if, you know, well, trust in Jesus just so you'll avoid hell. He becomes a means to an end rather than the reward himself. Do you see the difference? One is, well, okay, it's like I'll go with this company, don't really like them, but if they give me a good deal, I'll go with them. No, God is the reward. Heaven is wonderful because God's blessed presence is there. And prayer is wonderful for the Christian who sees this. If you see that God is the reward, 
It becomes less of a chore. It becomes less difficult. Prayer is always going to be a struggle. It's described, Jacob wrestles with God. It's a struggle. It is difficult. But dear friends, it brings some of the greatest joys because it brings us closer to God. Genesis 15 verse 1. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in the vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I am your great reward. Now, I think for many professing Christians around the world, they think, really, isn't there anything else? We, we miss the, the goodness and the wonderfulness of God that he is more than enough. He satisfies. He quenches our thirst. And our souls will ever be restless until we find rest in him. Jesus' prayer, as he prays to his Father in heaven, he prays that they would be changed. The people of God would be changed, sanctified. Verse 17 of Uh, Chapter 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And we talked about this this morning. Holy. And to what standard? The truth. The word of truth. It is good for us. As we sung this morning, remember Psalm 73? It is good for me that I draw near to God. It's good for you to draw near to God in prayer. Don't think about the other. Yes, God will bless you with things in this world, and we thank God for that. But he, he is the great reward. He is goodness. He is wisdom. He is, he is joy, peace that passes all understanding. And he is enough. He is wonderful. Uh, Jesus, at the end of this prayer, says this in verse 26. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it. That the love which you loved me may be in them and I in them. And as this love increases for God, our prayers change. It no longer becomes about what I can get. Because, you know, sometimes we can think about the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel guys on, on the television. You turn on and they're begging for money. Well, friends, sometimes we, our own prayers can sound like that. Health, wealth, and happiness in this world. We think it's just for certain people to go down that route. No, many people do at times. The Western church, I think, has lost the, just the greatness of God who is himself beautiful. The beauty is in holiness. I'll give you one example. If you know, if you're talking to a young man or a young lady, and they're trying to find a husband or a wife, well, what should they look for? Someone who is content, someone who loves the Lord, someone whose life points to Christ, someone who wants to make who makes you want to be closer to God. And if that person doesn't draw you near to God, don't marry. It's all about God. It's not just about, when we think about the example with marriage, the most popular, the most outwardly attractive. If they're clothed with Christ and his righteousness and a love for Christ, they are radiant. You can see from their lives. I know Christians over the years, 
And just being around them, it just makes you want to pray more. Makes you want to read the Bible more. Makes you want to stay up all night talking with them, all sorts of things. Christ is beautiful. And to be in his presence makes us want to spend time with him. It says in verse 35 of Romans chapter 8. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Well, the answer is none of these things. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. So this evening, after we finish, Lord willing, the the service of worship, we're going to have a time of open prayer. And I pray that we've seen why we must pray. We must pray. Christ intercedes for us. We saw in recent weeks, didn't we? He humbled himself at the cross. He died. He humbled himself unto death. He, he's resurrected. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty and high. And there's more. He intercedes for us today. And the Westminster Larger Catechism says, access, we have access with boldness to the throne of grace and acceptance of their persons. We're accepted into the presence of God. Royalty, beauty beyond imagination. You ever hear about those ancient kingdoms and their shining radiance, glorious gold and silver everywhere? You hear about Solomon's kingdom. Solomon's kingdom was nothing compared to this. And we have access to that throne, to that grace, and we're accepted in his presence and beloved. Not just annoying and annoying and an important person. He gladly loves our prayers because we come in Christ the way is open and we come for his glory and for his honor Amen